Stories are the essential building blocks of empathy and human connection. Since the beginning of humankind, storytelling has been used to connect, engage, inspire, heal and create a future. I'm convinced that it's stories that change our world. I have seen hearts change and opinions soften when real people and real stories are heard. When I was younger, I received a prize book at church called 10 Girls That Changed the World and it's this book that has inspired this podcast series. You may know some stories of Christians, of people like Martin Luther King Jr., Florence Nightingale, my personal fave, William and Catherine Booth. But this series, we're going to be hearing stories from people that you don't know of, but are still just as inspirational. None of you would have just witnessed what I just witnessed, which was John singing a theme tune and playing every piece and instrument with his mouth. You I missed out. It, I think it was absolutely amazing. Yeah. I think it should replace the actual music. I mean, sure. You want to do that? <laughs> that's, that's your choice. I think I could get a job on like Britain's Got Talent or something. A cappella. A job on Britain's Got is Talent. Is it a job? No, it's not really a job, is it? <laughs> no. Do you not have to give up your job, though, to do Britain's Got Talent? Because surely it's like almost a full-time thing, right? Um, well, I think the additions are like Saturday. Why are we even talking about <laughs> this? Oh, well. No, I don't think you do. Okay. If you're lucky, I might leave a little bit in at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, welcome back to At The Table. Well, I shouldn't keep saying welcome back because we you shouldn't assume. No, it is welcome back. Yeah, I guess it is welcome back. But um, Hello, welcome. Hello, welcome. Bonjour. <laughs> you're just going di- to like, just show our, our very limited... As you can Linguistic tell, I'm skills. A little bit kind of del boy when it comes to French, but um, yeah, welcome to this episode, and it's our second to last episode on this particular series for now, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Before Christmas, which seems to be flying around the corner on a Christmas. sleigh and with reindeers pretty quick. So yeah, yesterday I felt like Saturday there was no Christmas adverts, and then yesterday for like. TV adverts or any adverts on on anything online was just Christmas. It's just Crazy. like all of a sudden someone's gone. Ding, we're we're Christmas. recording this the day after I'm Celeb just came on, so just for context. Uh, so what date was that? The fifth, sixth of November, something like that. Today's the seventh, so it's yeah, the sixth. And so it's quite. It seems early for Christmas adverts, but you know that's life. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm using the World Cup as a. Uh, my little oh it's getting near the Christmas oh flip we're only like two weeks off the World Cup so yeah anyway good segue because today we're talking about a sportsman whoop whoop well part sportsman part missionary part teacher part pastor this man he had many hats leg end literally because he got caps for England hey oh high five (laughs) Uh, can't quite reach the high five nice today's episode Eric Liddle Eric Liddle which uh the name rings a bell to me. Like I recognise the name. I do yeah. recognise the name. I mean, yeah. But I should, well, I'd, a great story, nonetheless. Absolutely. Shall I, shall I read it? Yeah, read, read the first part. Okay, so where, what is our source for this? Or should we not bother? The Eric Liddle website. 
So Eric was well known for his abilities as a sporting champion and was capped for the Scotland international rugby team seven times. I won't do an accent. He is one of a rare few who have had his cap reissued and was inducted into the Scottish Rugby Hall of Fame in January this year, in 2022, on the centenary of his first international cap. The champion sportsman is probably even better known for his gold medal win in the 400 yards at the 1924 Olympic Games in Paris. <laughs> so not only was he... In my head, I've got this butch rugby player with, like, you know, the, the, the caps on and, like, all the tape to hold his brain in. Um, but he's then also a runner. No, he's not, he's not like, how do you make... He's very skinny. Oh, is he? Have you got a picture? Yeah. Oh, fair play. Eric Henry Liddell was born on the 16th of January 1902 in Tianjin, in North China. Second son of the Reverend and Mrs. James Dunlop Liddell, who were missionaries with the London Mission Society. He came back to England for school, which was a boarding school, uh, while his parents went back to China. Uh, Eric demonstrated his ability as an outstanding athlete, no kidding, uh, later becoming captain of both the cricket and the rugby union teams. That's when he's at school. While he's at school. Yeah. So he Fair was play. an all-rounder. He <laughs> could do it all. It's like, he probably played rounders as well. <laughs> <laughs> he's what, he, he reminds me of that that kind of kid at school that was just really good at every sport possible. Like My mate Nick is like that. He, I can, Yeah, he's good at football. He's good at everything. Play him at tennis, you lose. Play him at pool, you lose. Like he's one of those friends. Mm. So I can imagine Eric being like that, like just really skilled at sport, full stop. Yeah. And I think like not to discredit any of those people, but there's like, you know, being quite athletic. And then there's playing professionally, England rugby, playing professionally for in, for Scotland. Scotland, right, rugby. So being yeah. part of the national, a national Scottish team. And then, then being an, an Olympic athlete. Yeah, it's not you're not just playing with an egg shaped ball. Like, like you're yeah, you're It's not just like fun run, park run. Park run. You know, Race he's for life. he's not an athletic per- like he is the definition of an athlete. Yeah, fair I mean fair play. Um, and very on you, you know, quite a colorful life already, you know, born into born in China, um to missionary parents, so like that creates such a picture of like what life was like for him, you know. Mm. Probably he was potentially, you know, bilingual because he would have yeah. had to well i assume he would no. have been at school all over there no he came to no? england for school oh sorry yeah yeah i did read that out didn't i um <laughs> uh but yeah i mean also at that time as well like i can't imagine what the culture was like then yeah well we're gonna find oh, out are we? Oh. um <laughs> but yeah very you know missionary work mm. you know there's there is a lot to it and i am on a I'm on an interesting journey with missionary work. Like I don't discredit the incredible work of missionaries mm. to to uproot your culture and to do that and to place yourself in a new culture is very mm. is very difficult. Yeah. My issue is with general is like like the colonialization side. So it's not, you know, if we're going to be bringing God, we shouldn't be enforcing our, Cult- our culture of God yeah. onto that. We should allow them to the two to kind of beautifully marry themselves so like chinese culture and god we yeah. shouldn't say here's english god this is how yeah. you should do church because yeah. that's very different that's not culturally the same yeah that's not easy that's diff- not not you know that's this- a big big topic but, yeah. yeah but just you know 
things that I ponder and things that I question would be amiss for me not to say. Mm. So continuing back to his story, um, he was born in China and he went to school in England, but he lived in Scotland for a huge um, periods of his life, which is why he played for the Scottish team. Um, he joined his brother at Edinburgh University. And of course, during this time when he was at university, he played athletics and rugby. He played rugby for Edinburgh University. Um, and then he also played the seven Scottish internationals as a wing three quarter. No idea what that means. What's that rugby guy? You're rugby. I would assume that's like, I mean, you've got wingers that play on the, obviously, funny enough, on the wings. wings. (laughs) So I wonder if it's in between. Important to say, he's scoring four tries thanks to his amazing speed. And it was this speed that led him um, to also run in the athletics team for Edinburgh University and later for Scotland. When he was at university, he became famous for being the fastest runner in Scotland. I mean, as as you do. Just your casual accolade. Um, newspapers carried stories of his athletic feats and many believed he was a pretend... Sorry, I heard when you said feats. I thought you meant his actual feet. No, athletic feats. I actually checked. F-E-A-T-S. Okay, Okay, go ahead. As in your feet of something, not not the feet you walk on. Sorry. That is a pun. That is what you call a double entendre. His athletic feet. Size 10s. Um, So... Sorry, I'm completely afraid of that. So they believe, yes. So he, they were like, Scotland is championing him to be at the Olympics uh-huh. because he was doing university and running and rugby. He decided to give up two of those and focus on running, aiming mm. for the hundred meters at the 1924 Paris Olympics. However, at the 1924 Olympics, because of his faith, he dropped out of the hundred meter run, his strongest event, because the qualifying heats were scheduled on a Sunday. Oh. Instead, training for the two hundred and four oh. meter. Now that is conviction. Like, yeah, that is you know the level of devoutness. Like, I don't think we have we see that kind of devout life lived as much now. Mm. I mean, it may be seen. It, it's it quite may, strict then, wasn't it? It may be there, but we just don't see it. You know that con- yeah. that conviction to be like, no, I won't do this because it's a Sunday, Sunday. Or yeah. and I, I don't think necessarily the day the sun. The fact that it was a Sunday is important. I think it's just about what that it's day the means. Day, yeah, it's yeah, the day of the Sabbath. Going to church and whatever, isn't it? Um, so he's now retraining in a different field um, for the 204, uh, 100, 200 and 400 meter sprints. And it, because we could not leave you without telling you what happens during this time, so during these games, he finished third in the 200 meter and then had a stellar performance winning the gold in the 400 meters. And it's it's given us a little um, like commentary. So it mm. says, starting in the outside lane, Lidl sprinted out of the blocks at such a speed that two other runners fell trying to keep up with him. <laughs> he won the race in a record time of 47.6 seconds, which was an Olympic and world record. Okay. Not even his most strongest event. He retrained because he didn't want to do the, the, the 100 metres. Blimey. And he won. Two people fell over watching him. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be me. I would have fallen over just watching. Yeah, it. but not because you were falling past. No, I would have. He would have left me for toast at the at the start. He is. God has gifted this man with the ability to run. Yeah, and athletic feats. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to let that go, are you? No, it absolutely tickled me. I 
I think in in this part of his story, I think it speaks for. Obviously, we've spoken a little bit just then about you know his conviction to not run on a Sunday. Mm. That's very powerful. I, I I'm I'm challenged by that type of conviction. You know, what things are we so convicted by that we would turn down? I guess. Turn down yeah. something that could potentially be life changing for yeah. us financially, career wise. So that's really big. Mm. Um, you know, it was his strongest, and he could have easily have just let it defeated, but very determined man because in um, a way it was technically one sunday right <laughs> like you could yeah. easily just go oh i'll just miss church for one sunday i think that speaks a lot of where, like our culture you know yeah it, the, yeah the, what the, it holds the difference, yeah. and it obviously meant a considerable it it meant so much to him and that's why i talk about the conviction piece mm. because to be convicted so much of something that it means that much to you is is pretty powerful but then also but on the flip side of that seeing how committed he is to sport Full yeah. stop. Like that's a committed de- individual. Devotion to a cause. Mm. Like even though it's it's sport in a sense, it's just running from A to B or throwing a ball backwards. Mm. Like <laughs> it, it's it's quite like that devotion to go. Do you know what? I I know I'm good at this sport, or I know I can do this. Um, even though I can't do that one because that's a Sunday, I will do this one. I'll train on this one because that's a Monday night, or whatever. I quite like that. And Indeed. his story. You know, he doesn't, not only is he an incredible, like, devout Christian, he's got a strong man of faith, his parents are missionaries. Mm. He is just going to, you know, he's one of those people that you're just like, show off. You know, you know <laughs> like, like I said, he's one of those not mates. only he is a multi-talented a- mm. athlete, sportsman, very devout, you know, upholds his Christian faith, good at sports. Not only is he, you know, does he do multiple different mm. sports fields, he exceeds at them. Yeah. He yeah. He's not just running. He wins. And, yeah. He's not just participating. No. Is he? He's winning and breaking world records. I mean, that's just insane. So he, he's going to go do that, and then he's just going to go and put us all to shame even more. Yeah. So, in 1925, Eric returned to China to follow in his parents' chosen work to serve as a missionary teacher from 1925 to 1943, first in Tianjin and later in the town of Xiaozhong. Eric's first job as a missionary was actually as a teacher at an Anglo-Chinese college, which uh, is where he used his uh, where he used sorry his athletic um, experience to train boys in a number of different sports. One of his many responsibilities was that of leading the Sunday school at Union Church, where his father was pastor. Eric also helped build the Mainyan Stadium in Tianjin, which was modelled on London's Stamford Bridge, his favourite sports ground. This man, literally, you know, like when you have bios, like his Instagram bio, like he wouldn't have enough words to fit in his Instagram bio if he had no. one. I mean, what you that's very. I know I just said what I said was very first world, like Instagram, but international rugby player olympian gold medalist bronze medalist gold medalist teacher world record world record holder missionary sunday school teacher builder minister literally i'm i'm like just an insane um, list of things that he put his hand to Mm, i'd like to apologize if i have absolutely butchered the names of these towns we have because we're not great i'm just not great with We've tried. I have tried. We've listened to Google Translate. 
We want to get them right. We do want to get them right. We know that we're not going to I've tried really hard. So in 1941, life in China had become so dangerous because of the threat from the Japanese um, in the Second World War that the British government advised British nationals to leave. Florence, who was pregnant... His wife, that's right. I was going to say, I was like, who's that? Uh, So Florence, his wife, who was pregnant with Maureen um, and the children left for Canada to stay with her family when Eric accepted a position at a rural mission station in Zhaojiang, which served the poor. Something that is not in my comprehension at this stage of my life ever, and if I ever get called to it, it is a huge thing, but to uproot your whole family life, you know, for him, China was a very comfortable place because he grew up there, but now Mm. living in a place of uncertainty and turmoil to have your young family there Mm. um young children pregnant wife they leave you're now on your own he was still convicted that his work needed to continue he didn't think about himself in this situation he put his family in safety but he continued to do his work again that conviction that certainty that that's what god that's what's right that Mm. i'm meant to be here no matter what the you know the country state the country's in yeah and that putting yourself in a position of danger and vulnerability is not something that we can understand no i can't comprehend Just it can you really like the bravery mm. so as the fighting continued between the, the chinese army and the invading japanese troops the japanese took over the mission station and eric returned to taijan in 1943 he was interned at the Weixin internment camp um with members of the china inland mission um, and other schools Eric became leader and organiser within the camp and busied himself in helping the elderly, teaching Bible classes at the camp school, arranging games, teaching science to the children. And he was known to um, by most in the camp as Uncle Eric. Love that. One of the other internees, Norman Cliff, later wrote a book about his experience in the camp, which is called The Courtyards to the Happy Way, if you're interested. He described Eric as saying, in all the time in the camp, I never heard him say a bad word about anyone. Langdon Gickley who also survived, said this. Often in an evening, I would see him bent over a chessboard or a model boat or directing some sort of square dance, absurd, weary and interested, pouring all of himself into the effort to capture the imagination of these penned-up youth. He was overflowing with good humour and love for life, with an enthusiasm and charm. Rare, It's rare indeed to find that in a person for sure. I think it just again speaks volumes of just the the enthusiasm and the passion that this person had Mm. like even in times like that Mm. like there would have been i can imagine being in a concentration camp you're not going to have the best facilities you're not going to have the best food you're not going to be looked after in the best way are you so to have that conviction to do that and to be that passionate and to keep that motivation and in like um yeah, enthusiasm to keep going and to do all of that still. Yeah, incredible. Can't comprehend it. No. And your worst fears confirmed, you know, you're there in a dangerous city. Yeah. And you are put in a prisoner camp. Mm. But he doesn't let that defeat him. No. He conti- like the testimonies of the people continue to show how he used his time, you know, he taught people, he taught the young people, he kept their spirits high. He the full definition of sacrificial, selfless person. Mm. Never thought of himself, went above all um, to do that. And really tragically, he 
had a brain tumor and died five months before the camp was liberated. Oh, he never gosh. saw his wife or children from the moment that they left. Oh. And he never got to meet his daughter, who his wife was pregnant with at that time because of this. Wow. Um, and apparently he was, you know, he never complained to the end. And obviously because there, he was in a prisoner camp, he didn't receive the care and treatment that he could have mm. potentially had he not been in camp. So oh, gosh. even, yeah, just selfless is such a good word and the sat that sacrifice is such a good word but it also feels like it's thrown around so much and i just think he is just the complete definition of that mm. that complete act of selfless love for other people wanting a, that desire to want other people to know about god yeah. not just through physical teaching of the gospel but also through lived action through compassion through kindness through cheering everybody up in the camp mm. just a real um testament to to the love and light and his faith must have been so immense to to got him through those yeah. times well it's that quote that um is from from norman cliff where it's like i never heard him say a bad word about anybody you know in that in that moment when you're in that containment like that in a in a very dark period of history mm. in the second world war it could have been quite easy to say a bad word to still show love and compassion um, even to those that are holding you captive, like, mm. that's I think that speaks a huge amount of volume about, yeah, like you say, his faith being as strong as it is, um, his resolve, and I think also like his um, probably his hope and his upbeat manner to maybe see that see the end of that and see out that season, see that light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing. Yeah, I just think it just speaks huge volumes. The fact that he became a leader and organizer and carried on helping people he teached stuff he you know he arranged games i can imagine he was running around with the kids and all of that like carried on even through that adversity i just think mm. i think yeah what a man what a man of faith what a man of god what a man full stop yeah really um yeah i'm re i'm i'm just in i'm just inspired by that mm. that the power in that it feels um it's not something i can i can really like i don't know it, it feels so brave and so almost like Hollywood-esque. Like that story, just his yeah. life literally like sounds... Has there, has there been a film of this? Because Please tell me there is. Apparently it says Chariots of Fire. Really? Is he... Yeah. Lidl's Olympic and training... Lidl's Olympic training and racing and religious convictions influence him are depicted in the Oscar-winning film Chariots of Fire, which he's portrayed by fellow Scott Ian Carlson. <laughs> Oh, okay, so that film's already been done then. How did, wow. Well, obviously, because his life is like a, yeah. a film. Wow. I mean, fair enough. What a film as well. Oh, is this whole episode like Void? No. <laughs> no, maybe like it's like a younger generation didn't know. Well, I mean... Sorry, that was an assumption. I shouldn't have made that assumption. That's just hilarious. I mean, I'll take that on the chin. I've never seen that film, so... Yeah, I haven't either. <laughs> I have seen it, but um, it's just one of those films that's always on at Christmas. Like I've seen it, but I've not. Yeah, I've just never seen it. Dun, 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 dun. Wow! Wow! I love how we were like, his life's like a Hollywood film. Has it been made? And it's literally. I thought, an, do you know an, what? I was sitting there thinking. It's literally an. I could send this to Lionsgate or someone. Or like Universal and be like, I've got a film idea. And they're going to turn around and go, uh, yeah. excuse me, Mr. Munn. It's not just um, based on Eric Diddle because the story is no, also about um, Harold Abrahams. Oh, uh, okay. 
Fair dues. Well, there you go. I've learned something new today. But yeah, it makes sense. But I feel like somebody should do about his missionary life as well. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Like his whole life was a Hollywood film. It was, you couldn't, you couldn't make it. You can't literally make this stuff up. No. The character he was, the talent he had, um, and how he never, he could have literally given up after winning gold medal. That's it, done with life. Mm. But he just continued to use, let God use him to his abilities. And he never kind of lost those skills as well, you know. No. He, he taught, carried on, didn't he? Even when he went to China, he would use mm. his skills to, to make, to teach, you know, sports and athletics to the, the, the children. And then he built a stadium, like. As you do. <laughs> just so. Um, I love that. But we asked it in the third episode um, when we were talking about the Jarena Lee uh, on that episode about if they were sitting at this table, if they were at the table with us, Beth, Yeah. what would you ask? Um, I think I would ask him if there was anything that, like, what was the f- root of his faith in terms of when he was interned in the camp? Was there a passage of scripture? Did he hear, like, did God speak to him? Mm. Was what got him through? Was it, you know, the hope of seeing, of getting out? You know, there could have been a multitude of things, but yeah. what what verse do you cling to when you're at that moment? Mm. I think I'd ask him that. Yeah, I love that. I'd also probably want to ask him, like, why, you know, what made him want to go to China when he could have just continued to be a celebrated athlete and perhaps use and challenge that? I don't know. Yeah, I love that. What would your question be to him, John? I think it would, yeah, around the same lines, like, was there a Bible verse or a hymn or something that just stood with him mm. through that? Like, was there, you know, did he have, like, a routine? Like, did he wake up in the mornings and ate every time it was, you know, I need to sing this like i just think of that him you know it is well with my soul like i wondered if something like that was just going round and round in his head all that time um or like psalm 23 or something like that but it's just yeah i'd also just be like did you know there's a film about you <laughs> but imagine that i mean what a life what a life what a life thank god for this man who did mm, this work absolutely Well, thanks again for uh, tuning into this episode. Uh, hope you've enjoyed it. I say I. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Um, if you are new to this podcast, uh, we do have previous seasons and other episodes where we've been looking at people that have changed the world, or people who have changed the world, should I say? And uh, yeah, we'd love to journey with you. If you've got any recommendations of people that you've maybe heard of, or people that you count as influential, or people that have yeah inspired you in maybe your walk of life your career whatever um yeah let us know drop us a comment or uh, send us a direct message on social media uh, just search Fabish and salvation army or at the table podcast and yeah just let us know it'd be great to to hear from you but yeah as we said at the beginning this is our sort of penultimate episode before christmas so yeah join us next time for one last episode before we hit christmas where we will be doing a journey through the gospels and we'll see you soon bye see you later